0: We're in our series. We're actually closing out our series called uh, Start to Finish. We all want to start strong and finish well. What are you thinking about for 2020? Turn to somebody and ask them, what are you thinking about for 2020? What are you thinking about for 2020? Don't, don't you hate when people do that you've not been thinking about it? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even a month in yet. Give me, give me some time. Like, for me, I'm different, man. I've already got my plan. I've been on a prayer retreat all week. I've got my life plan all done. And and I've, I've been not only thinking about today, I've been thinking about the next decade for our church. And God, over this prayer retreat, God has infused in me and, and put inside of me some things that I believe are key for us this year and key for this coming decade that he wants to unleash in your life and in the lives of those who aren't even here. So next week, be here for Vision Day. It's going to be good. Come on, tell somebody, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So this series is start to finish. So we, we all want to start strong. Then we want to finish. like. <laughs> Some of y'all aren't finishers, right? You know, I want, I want to finish. And so this series, we've been looking at the life of Paul, because if anybody started his ministry well and his walk with Christ well, it was Paul. If anybody finished well, I don't know many who, I just don't know many who finished like Paul. I'm like, he's a model. So we modeled this series after the life of Paul. By the way, if you're new to church, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. There are letters to churches that he wrote. One of those letters he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. And Paul was near the end of his life. And let's say this together. This has been kind of the theme verse for our entire series. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Can you imagine how intimidated Timothy must have been by Paul? He's like, dude, hey, you know what I teach? You know how I live? You know what my purpose? I know what my purpose in life is. And He's like, man, Paul, you're wearing me out but Paul did. This guy was like laser focused. And he says, here's four things. If you want to start strong and finish well, you're going to need faith. You're going to need patience. You're going to need love. You're going to need endurance. We've been breaking these down every week in this series. If you missed any of the weeks, you'll get it on the podcast. It'll be online this week. You'll be able to get all the messages. Today, I want to talk to you about enduring to the end, enduring to the end. So if you have a Bible, let's go to Acts, the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, uh, YouVersion's a great app for you. I read out of the New Living Translation. Again, if you're new to the scriptures, um, I know most of you know this, but Acts was written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote down the account of the early church. So how the whole th- how did Christianity get started? of Acts will tell you how it got started. So Paul has all these letters. So 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, down, 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 down. these are letters that he wrote to churches. What's cool about Acts, it takes you to the places and the time where he started those churches. So you can kind of put the two together. So in Acts 16, Luke is traveling with Paul, and he writes this account. We'll start in verse 16. Acts 16, 16. It says, one day we were going down to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. So she was demon-possessed. She earned a a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So there's these men, and they're taking advantage and abusing this young woman. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell tell you how to be saved. This is not, they're not, she's not doing this in a, in a good way. Remember, she's demon-possessed, so she's kind of mocking Paul. It's getting irritating. It says this went on day after day after day until Paul got so exasperated. You ever been exasperated? <laughs> he was exasperated. So he turned and he said to the demon, not to the girl, but to the demon, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Instantly it left her. And if you know this story, it's not gonna get better. It's actually, it's gonna get rough. Because her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. They grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace, made a bunch of accusations against them. Verse 22 says, a mob formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped Beaten with wooden rods. I've had a bad day, but I ain't had that bad of a day. Beaten with wooden rods. Severely beaten. Thrown into prison. Oh, but not just in the prison. The jailer wanted to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in the stocks, and around midnight... My mama always said, nothing good happens after midnight. She was wrong according to the Bible. Around midnight, <laughs> Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners, they were listening, and suddenly, somebody say, suddenly, suddenly. That's how quickly your circumstances can change. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors, all The doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner, every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up. This kind of freaked him out. He thought the prisoners were escaping. He tries to go, goes to kill himself. But Paul says, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Nobody's left. We're all here. Paul could have made a run for it. Could have taken off, taken care of himself and Silas like this is our opportunity Are you kidding me? Like, this is his moment, this is his opportunity. You're gonna you're gonna die. And he's like, No, I'm, I'm staying right here. Because this jailer needs me. So this guy says the jailer says to him, What do I gotta do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. So they shared the Lord with him. With all who lived in the household, even even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wombs. And this is the good news. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Father, thank you and help us to endure till the end. Speak to us. Church, right now, just in this moment, ask God, speak to me. Speak to me. God. Help me. In Jesus' name. And everybody say Amen. Uh, you may be seated. So endurance sounds really noble uh, until you have to endure. <laughs> Anybody? Amen. Come on, God's people. Anybody? I is, oh, yeah, endurance. Oh, it's amazing until you're the one that has to endure, and then it's just it's so difficult. Uh, many of you know I've talked about my, my father-in-law. He's 91 years old. He's at the Claremore Veterans Home, and he is a um, Korean War veteran. He got the Bronze Star. Can we just honor our veterans for a moment? Just come on, Can we just love on our veterans, thank our veterans like, the pictures i've seen of where this guy was like there's some battle called the punch bowl i'd never heard of before and i mean it was one of the bloodiest battles ever that's why they called it the punch bowl he was there at that at that battle and around that area i saw this picture of him he's got this cool hard hat on he's got like a m16 something or other on him and i'm like man you are bad to the bone and and so but he as a as a veteran he is in the veteran center and laura's mom has discovered that he is not receiving all of the benefits that he is entitled to for being a veteran of a foreign war. And so she learned about that. She decided, well, you know, he can't fight for himself, so we're going we're gonna to fight for him, which is what I love about people who who really fight and go to battle for our veterans who can't fight for themselves. That's just uh, now that I'm in that battle and I'm in that fight, I'm just uh, humbled by the people that do that. And so she began to... Um, figure out what she needed to do and so she picked up the phone she made a phone call uh, called the government you know office made the phone call they apologized to her immediately said hey we'll have the funds in your bank tomorrow morning is that not crazy it is crazy cuz that's not what happened did you miss the whole point of where i said it was the government who missed that no the paperwork was overwhelming. I mean, she the, oh, you need this documentation, and oh, now once you you have this and you're going, you need this benefit, well, then we've got to know about this over here, and you'll need to have proof of this, and he'll, he'll have to sign this. Oh, we know he's in the veterans home, but you still got to get him to sign it. And, and then we need to have, and it just got so overwhelming to her. She's like, never mind. <laughs> have you ever been there? Like, you're, you're, I'm all in. I'm going to do it. Like, starting is not the hard part. Starting is not the hard part staying the course is, and so she's like, I don't know, and so she, we encourage her, and she's like, all right, so she fills out the paperwork, and then, and then you have to go to a, a veteran's officer, and a veteran's officer is an advocate for veterans, and so they will help you with your benefits or whatever needs that you have as a veteran, and so she went to see the veteran's officer and was shocked at how abusive this officer was back to her. He began to belittle her, berate her, raise his voice, and be antagonistic towards her and say, what do you think you're doing? You, can't get, you ain't going to get this. You're not going to get that. I'm not even going to file for that. What do you think? You're wasting my time. She was so taken back. Laura's, Laura was there. Her brother was there. They were so taken back. It brought her to tears, and they left. And they, were, they were shocked and, and in shock, and, and, and she's like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't, I'm not doing this. I don't, I don't, I don't need this. And then, and then she found out about another officer that she could go to, but she's like a little gun shy at this point. Like, I, I'm, I'm, you're not supposed to be treated like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you step out into the visions and the purposes and the plans God has for you, when you step out to do something right, you're not expecting to meet with opposition, but you will meet with opposition. So she heard about a, another veterans officer, and all right, I'll, I'll try and. This guy actually it turned out to be a very nice gentleman, very nice man, and he said, I'll help you, and, and he took the paperwork, and he began to file it, but the problem was is he was completely overwhelmed with the caseload. It's so many that he really couldn't get to it. Nothing ever came of it. At this point, she just says, forget, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. And one day, she's talking to another wife of a veteran, and she said, hey, I know of this advocate... Uh, the officer, and in, in, he runs a nonprofit in Oklahoma City, and he helps veterans all over the United States. And in fact, he's so good that veterans come in from all over the United States, as far away as Alaska, to see this man. She's like, I went to him, and, and now my husband has all the benefits he's entitled to. So we encouraged her. She didn't really want to do it, but we encouraged her, and she'd stopped, and then we encouraged her some more, and and finally we said, let's let's do this. And what we found out is that this guy is so popular, he's so good at what he does, that veterans get in line early, and he can only take the first 150 that show up, and he only sees them on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's all he can handle. That's all he can take care of. So veterans line up and camp out overnight to see this guy. 150, if you're number 151, you don't get seen. So Laura and I said, okay, we'll go with you. We'll help with this. Let's get in the car and let's go. And so right before Christmas, we head to Oklahoma City. I'll never forget how cold it was. 25 degrees and getting colder as the night went on. So we get to Oklahoma City, and, and we're making the plans. We're going to go over there around 1130 at night to get in line early, camp out all night. And so we go to the hotel, and we get this hotel. And so we get a hotel, and we kind of get situated. And then, so then we send Laura's mom off to camp out overnight, and Laura and I get a good night's rest. Uh, <laughs> no, that did not happen. That's awful. I shouldn't even have said that. <laughs> it's funny though. <laughs> so, but so the Laura and I to, went to the um, uh, the where the officer was and his his building and offices and and we began to camp out. It was eleven thirty at night and Laura took the first shift and we were going to work in shifts and she was out there. She started eleven thirty and so I get in the back of our Oldsmobile Acadia and try to sleep. <laughs> it's twenty five degrees and I'm in the back of an Oldsmobile. I am in the back of an Oldsmobile Acadia, basically curled up in the fetal position. That's about as stretched out as I could get. It was miserable. (laughs) Finally, about 1 o'clock in the morning, Laura comes to the car, and she said, hey, it's getting colder. It's getting so cold that the veterans were, everybody's just kind of putting their chairs out and saving their own place in line. At this point, there's probably, we're number 26, and there's probably 40 or so in line already, and it's like 1 a.m., And so she gets in the Oldsmobile Acadia with me, which makes it even easier to sleep. So we try, and by 3 a.m., we just give up. My back is killing me. My hip is completely numb all the way down my kneecap through my ankle. I can't feel anything. And we have to, at this point, Laura's got to go and get her mom at the the hotel because they begin to let the veterans in at 4 a.m. So I said, okay, I'll go out, and I'll sit, and I'll wait. So I go out, and I sit, and I'm sitting there. I'm looking around at these veterans. At this point, it's probably 18 degrees out there. I am freezing. I'm sitting in this chair. I am just brutally cold, and these, these are veterans of foreign wars. So these guys, they're walking around with, in sleeveless T-shirts with like an eagle on it with talons grabbing an American flag, smoking Marlboros. It ain't cold out here. I'm like, no, it's cold out here. I'm like, I don't care. I'm cold. Well, I grabbed a blanket. I grabbed the wrong blanket. Uh, I grabbed a grandma quilt. So I pulled this grandma quilt over me, the one with the patches on it. You know what I'm talking about? That's when the veterans looked at me, and I was completely found out. Okay, we got a poser. And I was like, I don't care. I'm freezing. And then I went down to the convenience store, got a pack of camels, and rolled them up in my sleeve and was like, yeah, I got this. That's right. Four a.m. Rolls around. They let us in. There's over 150 veterans sitting in all these chairs waiting to see all of the volunteers and people that are working with this veteran's um, officer. 6 a.m., get called up. We go up and we see the, the volunteer. And I'll never forget what the, he said to us. See, one thing he says, we're going to be able to help you. We're going to help you. But then he said some words I just won't forget. We gotta get this first domino to fall. And I thought, first? The first first domino? What do you mean the first domino? He's like, there's it's gonna be a long process. And he was right, because in a few weeks we've gotta go back and I gotta go see my, you know, camping Marlboro homies uh <laughs> in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's it's not Getting started is not the hard part. It's enduring to the end that is the most difficult thing. We've got to—if you want to see the hopes and the visions and the dreams that God has for you, you've got to endure until the end. Turn to somebody and tell them—somebody you came with, somebody you don't know—maybe just turn and say, "Hey, endure until the end. Endure until the end." So the Apostle Paul—he's—he's he's decided he's going to go to Philippi. This is what God's told him to do. He's going to start a church, he's going to start a ministry, and he has no idea how difficult it's going to be that it was there that his endurance would be tested to its limits because there would be this slave girl. And it wasn't really the slave girl so much as it was the demon that was inside of this slave girl that was going to berate him, was going to belittle him, was going to come at him unexpectedly. And then we read these words, verse 18. This went on day after day, day after day. When you step out and embrace what God has for you, guess what? You're going to have to endure day after day. Paul got so what? Exasperated. <laughs> That's such a great word. He got exasperated that he turned around, said to the demon, hey, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out, and instantly it left her. Now, some translations don't use the word exasperated. They, they say that he was aggravated. You ever been aggravated? He was distressed. One says that he was grieved. Have you ever thought about your situation, what you're dealing with, to the point that you're just grieving over the situation? Another one says he was upset. Another one says he was greatly annoyed. Have you ever been annoyed? Has anything ever annoyed you? I was talking to Pastor Eric. He was telling me that one morning he woke up really early and he just heard this noise. What is that? They heard it again. He thought, Is that one of the dogs? What's going on? Again. It just kept going, kept going. It's like, surely it's going to stop. So he gets up out of bed, and he's like, I don't know what this dog is doing. But he gets out, goes into the hallway, looks, it's not the dog. It's his six-year-old Isaac. He's got a balloon that he has blown up and he's letting the air out of it. It's not the little things that take you. I mean it's not the big things that take you out. It's always the little things that take you out, isn't it? Like you just you ever gotten just to the point where I can't take it anymore. I'm done. I'm over. Forget it. That's it. No more. This is Paul. Paul is at that point. I've had it. No more. He had, and, and what's crazy is he had no idea that his actions, although good, they're good, he had no idea he was about to make the situation even worse. Like, have you ever tried to fix something only to make it worse? This happens to me every time I try to fix something around the house. Oh, that's a leaky faucet. I can handle that. Pull the faucet off. Put it back together. Turn the water on. Somebody get out to the main and turn it off. Right now, upstairs, in our upstairs bathroom, when you turn on the water, it goes, I am not touching that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's just how it is. I mean, you're just, you, you try to fix it. You're, you're, you're trying to make it better. You, you think you're making it better, but you're just making the situation worse. That's what happened to Paul. The slave, girl, slave girl's masters were just absolutely irate, dragged him before the city council, then it says this, that a, that a mob forms against him. Oh, and if that's not bad enough, then he's, oh, he's stripped, and he's, he's not just beaten, he's, oh, he's, he's severely beaten with a wooden rod. Oh, oh, and that's, we're not done with you yet, Paul, no. Oh, and then, then, they, then they threw him into, into jail, and oh, we're not just into jail now, we're actually going to take you down to the inner dungeon. Now, the way the Roman jails worked is the inner dungeon was down in the, in the bottom of the jail, down a, a, in the cellar area, no light, completely dark, damp. And then they said, oh, that's not, you know what? He might escape. Let, you tell you what, let's take Paul and Silas, let's put them in stocks. And so what the Romans would do is they would put stocks on their legs, which meant that they could not stand. They had to sit down, and if they wanted any relief at all, Paul and Silas, they would have to lay down down on the bruises and beating of their back. This is where Paul finds himself. Man, as 2020 begins, aren't we all full of hopes and dreams and plans and visions and excitement? And, and man, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, God's going to do it. Breakthrough is coming. I know it. I know it's going to happen. But here's the truth is that there will be difficult days. There will be some dark nights. There will be times of desperation, like it was for Paul and Silas, and we all want to skip over dark and desperate and get to destiny, right? I know I do. Give me destiny. Show me destiny. Not desperation. Not darkness. I want to skip over that. I, I want to get to what is good, but. Here, I want you to write this down. This is so important for you to write down. I've got to endure the dark to get to my destiny. I've got to endure the dark to get to my destiny. In other words, I've got to keep moving. I've got to keep trusting. I've got to keep believing. I've got to endure. The writer of Hebrews said it this way in Hebrews 10.36. He said, patient endurance is what you need now. Oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? That's some encouraging words right there. Whoopee. Like, it's not enough that you could have just said, hey, patience is what you need right now. I just need a little bit of patience. You know what? Endurance. You just need endurance. No, the writer says no, he, he's got to up it to another level. You need patient endurance. I don't even know what that is. That's insane. That's another level I don't even know how you get there. But the writer says patient endurance is what you need so that you will continue to do God's will. You want to see the purposes and plans and the destinies and the dreams and the things you're thinking about for this year and even this decade. You want to see it come about, but it won't come about unless you patiently endure. That's the only way you will see it happen. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Then, somebody say then. 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 Then you will receive all that he has promised. And I I want to plant and reap a harvest. I don't want to plant and reap a struggle. I I don't want to plant and then, whoa, it's harvest season. I don't want to plant and then just get, what is this? I planted, I... I came to church, I believed the promise, I stood on the promise, I prayed, and I, and, and I planted it, and I should harvest it, right? Wrong. Talk to any farmer, any farmer. I, I, I don't know anything about farming. I've never farmed. I don't really know any farmers. I can, I've Googled it, and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is how it works. What a farmer does is he goes out and plants, and he doesn't immediately harvest. Every farmer will tell you that ain't how it happens. What a farmer does is they plant and then they work the soil. They cultivate the soil. They work the soil. They cultivate the soil. They wait, and they wait, and they work, and they wait, and they work, and they wait, and then the harvest. That is how it works in God's kingdom. That's how it works in this kingdom and God's kingdom. You Listen, you are gonna to have to plant and work and wait and work and wait and work and wait, and then you will see a harvest. God will bring about the harvest. So, so how how do we work and wait? How how do we endure? Like this is great, you know. I would say, send you on your way now. Good luck. But come on, this is where this is this is the real stuff. This is it's in the in between time where we all quit. It's in the in between time that dreams die. It's in the in between time that visions are given up on. It's in the in the in between time that relationships never heal. How how do I how do I in- endure? Paul helps us with this. Verse 25, it says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas, they were what? Come on, somebody. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, hang on a minute. You've just been beaten. You're half dead. You're in a dungeon. You're laying back on all the bruises and brokenness of your body. And you're, it's midnight, and then Paul and Silas they break into a Wilson Pickett song. Are you kidding me? Are you Nobody anybody? Wilson Pickett? I'm going to wait till the midnight hour. Oh, you people don't know music. That's God's music right there. When Jesus puts on his playlist, it's on Motown every time. It's the midnight like when when listen, when you think things are dark, the last, not when you think, when when things are dark, the last thing you want to do is pray and praise God. None of us want to do that, but yet here's Paul and Silas, and they're praying and they're praising. What is it they're doing in this moment? Here's what they're doing. They're asking, and then they're expecting. They're asking, and then they're expecting. In other words, they're putting their head down, and they're saying, all right, God, It's pretty dark in here. Silas, you hanging in there? Paul, yeah. Paul, you hanging? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're gonna ask God. We 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 need you to deliver us. God, would you deliver us? And then they look up in expectation and begin to praise God, expecting a breakthrough. They get their head down. They're enduring in prayer, and then they look up in expectation and they praise God. They put their head down. They're enduring in prayer, and then they look up in expectation. For their breakthrough. Write this down. Endure in prayer and praise in expectation. Endure in prayer and praise in expectation. We just had our day of prayer last Saturday, our 2020 day of prayer, 20 hours of prayer and fasting. Man, it was just so great to see all of you just praying and fasting that day. Like, Taking an hour, some of you, multiple hours, and and I, and my my prayer for you is that during that day God spoke to you, that that He confirms some things in you. But on that day we started, ironically, at midnight, and so at midnight I, I decided I'm going to come up to the church and I want to I want to pray, and that's what I like to do every year when we do this. And and so I came up to the church, and the church wasn't going to be open for everyone until. the the day, during the day it was, but in the middle of the night, it was closed. So I came up to the church, and nobody was here, and I I don't know if you've ever been up here in the middle of the night by yourself. It's a little creepy. So I pull up really close to the front door. I'm not making any of this up, by the way, and I'm like, okay, you can do this, Brad. It's six feet to the front door. Got the key, jump out of the truck, grab my bag, go to the door, key, door open, in, shut. Made it. Now, the reason I did that is because, you know, there's coyotes out there, and I know they're disease-ridden, and that's the only reason I did that. So I turn around, and I look, and I'm like, oh my goodness, now I'm in a dark church. Oh my goodness. Have you ever been in a really large building when it's really dark? I mean, I know it's a church, but it was like, this is creepy. I think you're, God, I hope you're here. I think you're here. Okay, all right. So I came into the auditorium, and and I locked all of the doors, and I kept all of the lights out there off just in case some, you know, somebody thought they could come up or what. And I'm like, they ain't getting in here. So I come in here, and I have the lights on. The lights are on. I'm like, okay, good. Lights are on. And I came right down here on this front row right there, sat in that second seat. And that's kind of where I meet God a lot of times. And I began to pray, and a couple hours went by. And all of a sudden, I had this. You ever have this feeling that somebody is watching you? and you know somebody's watching you? So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and I'm like, somebody is in here, and it's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I mean, I knew it. Somebody is here, and I'm like, Brad, just turn around, be cool, just be cool, turn around, act normal, and I turn around, and I look in the back of the auditorium, and all I see are two people, and they're just standing there. I'm not making this up, Stand, I'm like, oh, oh, just act normal, Brad. And I'm like, hey, and I didn't have my glasses on, so I reached down, I put my glasses on, and I looked up, and it was Tony and Michelle Proctor. A lot of you don't know them. They're leaders in our church. They make coffee every week. I'm like, what are you doing here? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out. Listen, sometimes you're going to be praying and you're going to be enduring and you're going to look up with expectation and you're going to see something that you don't expect. It's not what you're going to want to see and you're going to want to turn and you want to run and go the other way. But here's what I want you to understand is a new day does not begin at dawn. A new day begins at midnight in the darkest hour A new day. Listen, God is bringing a new day, not when the sun shines, but he's bringing a new day right in the midst of your darkest hour. When you least expect it, when you think it's not there, that's when the new day is coming. Come on, give him some praise for that. Let's just praise him for a moment that God shows up in our darkest hours. (laughs) Write this down. I, I may be waiting, but God is already working. Man, my marriage... I, my marriage, I, I'm looking up, I'm praying with expectation, and then I look up, and nothing. I got nothing. Man, it's dark. I'm telling you, God is showing up even in your brokenness. Like, you have visions and hopes. Man, God, I, I'm going to do this. This. I'm getting into school, and this is the career field I'm going for. This is what I'm going to do, give my life to. And then you look up, and it gets hard, and it gets difficult. And you don't. You get the rejection letter, or the class doesn't go like you hoped it would go. And I'm telling you, God shows up right then. That's when God shows up. You're doing a ministry. You're launching out. I'm going to do something for God. And you're praying. You're expecting. you look up and you're like, what is this? What is this? Why is this not moving forward? Like I hoped it would move forward. Why am I dealing with this? And God shows up in moments like that when you least expect it. I may be waiting, but God is already working. I want to invite our worship team to come. The thing about Paul and Silas is they couldn't change their circumstances, but but this is what prayer and praise does. Prayer and praise may not change your circumstances and your situation right away, but it will change the atmosphere. Prayer and praise may not change my circumstances, but it changes the atmosphere. Paul and Silas knew that. In fact, he would write a letter to the church at Philippi that he started years later, years later, and he wrote these words in Philippians 4.8. Think about things that are excellent and what? Worthy of praise. I got to wonder if Paul, when he wrote those words, if he wasn't thinking back to that time when he was in that dungeon, when he was in those stocks and he was sitting there with Silas. And I got to wonder if he's like, oh, I remember. When, man, whew, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Come on, Silas. Man, man this is killing me. I Man, I, I think... Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And looking up and the situation's not changing, he puts his head back, man, think about things that are worthy and excellent, excellent and worthy of praise. Like, here's what happens. When you begin to praise God in the dark, endurance begins to rise up. When I praise God in the dark, endurance rises up. Many of you know that Laura deals with chronic pain, and it's, It's difficult for her, especially getting out of bed in the morning. It's really hard. So a couple years ago, she said, you know, I'm going to try to change my mindset. And she said, I'm going to start listening to positive music. And so she um, put on the um, Gospel According to the Trolls, the Trolls soundtrack. She was listening. uh, Every mom in the place got that one because you're like, I got that one right there. She's got a little JT going. Can't, Can't stop the feeling. Can't stop the feeling. So she's listening to this every day like guess stop the feeling every day I'm like, oh my goodness I can stop the feeling right now but she would use it and it, it would help her to get out of bed but but what she began to realize is like it's kind of it's kind of making me feel good but it's not really changing anything so she decided to switch over to, to worship music and put on praise music and suddenly she started, realizing that, man, not only is this helping me get out of bed, but it's changing my mindset and and it's changing the atmosphere and hope is rising in me. And even though she gets out and it's difficult to step out and the pain is still there and she's praying and believing and enduring in prayer, she's looking up every day in expectation. You are my God. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You birthed me. You made me. You created me. You have plans for me. So I will rise and I will run and I will do the work that you have set before me. You endure in prayer and you praise in expectation. But the thing I want us to understand today is this, that it's not just for you. See, for Paul, there was a jailer. This jailer said, Man, I've been watching you. I want what you got. How do I I, I get what you got, Paul? I'm watching. They they beat you. I threw you in the dungeon. You're praising God. You're not running. I want what you got. Paul says, here, receive Jesus. Receive your salvation. Receive grace. And his family was saved. What I want you to know is that your story isn't just for you. Your story is for someone else. Your story is not just for you. Your story is for someone else. Listen to what it says in verse 26. Suddenly, somebody say, suddenly. Your suddenly is coming. Your breakthrough is coming. There there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. God, God is going to shake the very foundation of your situation suddenly everything is going to change. All the doors, not some of the doors, all the doors, every door immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The chains that seem to hold you back suddenly are going to fall. But it's not just for you. Your story is for somebody else's suddenly. God wants to use your story to bring redemption to someone else. Would you stand with me? Come on. We're going to praise with expectation. God is going to bring the breakthrough. Not just for you. Your suddenly is coming, and then your story is going to lock somebody else into their suddenly.